is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, they took him! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. We are just one week away, one week till the NFL draft, and welcome in to the ultimate draft show coverage of the 2021 NFL draft as we lead you into draft week with the top 300 board from Mr. Dane Brugler straight off the athletic. We're also going to give you some seven round Cowboys mocks and then of course here in about 20 to 45 minutes we'll hit some Twitter on the 20 at some point throughout the course of the show. Glad you're with us Kyle Yeomans, Brian Broaddus, we've got Dane Brugler, Bucky Brooks will join us coming up in just a little bit because you know it's 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 draft week now because brought us uh, Bucky Brooks already continuing his coverage and continuing to to show that he's bigger than us at the NFL Network. Yeah, you know, that's what Bucky does. When you're a TV guy, you know, and you don't have, you know, you have to dress up, you have to look presentable. Yeah, it's, you know, and Bucky, and Bucky went from being a scout to being like a media star. And, you know, we knew this time was going to happen. The closer you get to the draft, you know the media stars are going to show up. But, hey, I think we got the best crew of, of, of scouts on this show right now. So there you go. I bet you we do a really good show with uh, as we get going here. I like it. Dane, uh, of course, this is a big week for you. Uh, are, are you is this a, a special time for you? Are you really doing anything extra based off of what your normal draft prep is? No, it's always, you know, the last week is always the calm before the storm. It's, uh, you know, a lot of information coming in. This this year is a little different because the medicals are happening so late that now we're starting to get some of the medical information. This guy's got a bad knee. This guy's got a bad shoulder. Um, and, you know, I know uh, these last few weeks, scouts have been going to draft meetings with their fingers and toes crossed that they don't get that late information about uh, someone that has to be taken off the board because of something the doctors found. So, you know, that, that we're getting that late information now about some of these players, and it certainly affect the first round. Um, but just trying to weed through all the information that we get. Uh, you know, what's, what's to, what, what should we believe? What shouldn't we believe? What's true? What's not? And so just trying to make sense of it all. Anybody stick out to you in that regard, Dane? Whenever you're 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 mentioning these these players that could be taken off boards, have you heard any rumors around the NFL yeah. about some of those players? Well, there's. I mean, Terrace Marshall's got a knee uh, that that'll be an issue for a lot of teams that was flagged. Um, you know, there, there's some others that you know, I'm working to confirm. You know, because just because you hear it from one source doesn't mean that it's absolutely how every team feels, and so. Trying to work on some others, um, but that's you know with uh, without the combine this year, we had about what 150 players go to Indianapolis and get these thorough evaluations, and there's there's always stuff that pops up, you know, a, a pre-existing injury we didn't know about, and so um, you know that, that's that's going to be the case with a few of these guys. Terrence Marshall, uh, of course, the wide receiver out of LSU. You just wanted to hit the LSU guy right off the bat and just kind of throw a jab at Brian Broaddus. I think that's exactly what just happened uh, from Dane. But we've well, got any chance I get, yeah any him and Hellman. Any chance I get a <laughs> I, 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 can, I can do that. I, I make sure I take advantage. That's for good reason. For good reason. Okay, so we've got this thing that was kind of passed down passed down from 
up top, upstairs. They want us to promote this 2021 Dallas Cowboys draft pick challenge. And of, of course, all those who are listening can also uh, be a part of this. It's presented by DraftKings, and Cowboys fans are in, invited to participate in the free to play 2021 Cowboys draft pick challenge. You got to submit your answers on DallasCowboys.com by the time the draft starts, 7 p.m. Central Time on April 29th. And basically, what it is is make a mock draft. You make Every one of the 10 picks the Cowboys have are laid out on this draft board. And you can go through and basically fill out this sheet of paper and make your picks to potentially the, what you think the Cowboys are going to do. It's basically a bracket challenge like you do for March Madness, but instead it's with the NFL draft. And so, of course, us being the draft show, we're going to all submit, not even just these hosts and Bucky Brooks. We're going to also do it with Dave. We're going to do it with KT. We're going to do it with Jeff as well. But every one of us are going to submit a sheet of all 10 picks and what we think are going to happen. Brian, we're going to let you start things off since I, I do. I actually really like your 10 picks and, and what you what direction you ended up going there. We're trying to guess exactly what the Cowboys are going to do, not necessarily what we would do, but Brian, what did you have in terms of your first round pick? Yeah, I, I went with, uh, with my first round pick. I went with Patrick Sertan is who I went with. I just feel like, though, that if you know, there's a there's a couple different ways this draft could go, depending on what happens with Pitts, with depending on what happens with the offensive lineman. But I just feel like that at the end of the day, they're going to take the best player for them. They're going to take the steady player. They're going to take the guy that they feel like that they can plug in and make that starter. And you know, and, and you, we all talked about it. Uh, you know, really about what type of player he is. You know, and, and I think at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You just want to get the guy that best fits what you can do. But it also allows you to, uh, you know, to, to to hit a need, uh, you know, a big need for this team uh, with that secondary. So, to my opinion, Patrick Sertan uh, will be that guy uh, as the Cowboys pick at number ten. Uh, I went with uh, TCU's. I went with Morig, the safety from TCU, as my second guy. I went with Redunce, uh at uh, at offensive tackle. Oh, you went and got your uh, North Dakota State guy. Pick. I went and got my North Dakota State guy. I went and got my defensive tackle McNeil from uh, from North Carolina State. Uh, there at ninety nine. I went and got a, a defensive end with uh, Snowden from Virginia at four uh, one fifteen. Uh, I went and got a linebacker uh, Rice uh, from Georgia at one thirty eight. Hawker, the guard from Texas A&M at 179. And then I kind of went on a flyer here. Uh, at 192, I went with Adams, the wide receiver from Arkansas State. Uh, 6'2 type of a player there. I went with Lenore, uh, the, the uh, corner from uh, Oregon uh, at, the, uh, at 227. And then Kerry Vinson, my LSU guy, at 239. So I tried to help the defense with some mixed in some of those offensive players that we were talking about. Dane, whenever you look at what Broadus just did, now run through it again. Sertan, Merig, Redunce, McNeil, Snowden, Rice, Hawker, Adams, Lenore, Vincent. So that's the 10, straight up and down. One thing that stuck out to me was going and getting that edge rusher in the fourth round. And it's always tough to try and find an edge rusher going into day three of the draft. But with Snowden from Virginia, I mean, he's a guy who has some high upside. He's got fantastic length, got great size. What does he bring to 
the table if the Cowboys were looking for an edge rusher maybe on day three? Snowden's he's fascinating because uh, the way you set it up, he's he, he's really tall. He's really he looks like a basketball player, uh, <laughs> and that's what he was most of his life. That he he thought he was going to be uh, playing the NBA one day, and now he's getting ready to uh, be an NFL draft pick. Uh, coming off a major injury, so that is a factor here, and just you know the medicals being clean and you know trusting where he is in his uh, his rehab. But you know, six three and a half, two hundred forty five pounds, uh, a really fluid mover, uh, a, a guy that can play on the edge. Uh, you know, power you kind of worry about. You know, does he? He has thirty five inch arms, but can he use that uh, to his advantage? Can he weaponize his hands? That's where I think he needs to really grow to become uh, a full time NFL contributor. But you love how fluid he is in space. Uh, he shows up in the backfield. He has over thirty tackles for loss in his career. Uh, there's just a lot to like about his recognition skills, uh, his fluid athleticism, his length. So we got a, what? The, is it the fourth round or was four, it the late third? Four one fifteen. Yeah, that's- to me. Yeah, and, and Dane, where I where I where I have a problem with how this player was used. I don't think there was a bigger misuse of a player than this kid. I mean, I'm watching him in that three, four. I'm watching him drop. He's you know dropping. He's playing in coverage, and then but but when he's rushing, you're like going, okay, he's got something here. He's got something going on here. So I, I thought the Virginia coaches, you know, uh, they, they did a. I thought they did a really poor job of using or playing to his skill. And I understand, you know, Bronco Mendenhall and what they're trying to do there at Virginia. But, man, this kid, I think if you get his hand on the ground and let him rush, uh, you're gonna, you can find a guy that can maybe be a little bit of a special player here. I like it. I, I, like I, it. I, I question I, if he has the power to do that consistently, but I, I do think if you're able to weaponize his hands, then I think you're right. You, you might find a, a guy that's going to really outplay that draft spot. Broadus, what made you go with Redunce at the, the third Third round pick. I mean, this is a guy, of course, out of North Dakota State that was a uh, that was a uh, Senior Bowl guy. Really kind of impressed during his time there. But why, why did you go that direction? Whenever, I mean, there could be some other guys potentially in that same realm at the third round, seventy fifth pick. Seventy fifth pick. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, there were a couple of guys that I kind of thought about. You know, uh, I thought about Smith from East Carolina. I just wanted to go with an offensive tackle. Forsyth is another guy from Florida that's a big guy. I just kind of went on the thought that maybe here's a guy that's really kind of young. I mean, when you talk about where he where he's come from, you know, I, I was looking for the guy that's got the traits that could grow and can develop and stuff like that. Maybe some of these offensive linemen. And Smith from East Carolina is could have been one of those guys, mm-hmm. but a little bit of a lighter guy. You know, I just wanted to grab that that developmental offensive tackle at that spot and then hope that, like, okay, maybe you can work with him, you put strength on him, and then he kind of he doesn't have to play initially. But with the Cowboys, you never know. He might get thrown in in week three. You know, but I just liked with Redunce, I just liked the makeup of him, and I like how he handled himself, you know, and, and all the opportunities that he got. Dane, what are your thoughts on the North Dakota State tackle? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't thrilled with him on tape. I gave him a fourth round grade just based off of the tape. I thought there were some balance issues, um, you know, some some play strength issues. 
But he he swayed me at the Senior Bowl, watching him uh, during practice. I thought he did a really nice job, and I gave him a little bit of bump in my rankings. Um, and just just based off of those what he did and, and seeing him in person, seeing him move, the mirroring skills I thought were really good. Um, and, and so what, what Dylan Radins was able to do, I, I bumped him up to 74 overall on, on my board. Um, I'm still a little worried about just how over-aggressive he can be and how that leads to some balance issues. But uh, I think he's instinctive. I love the demeanor that he plays with. Um, you know, he's really, he has that nasty temperament that you want. Uh, he'll get after it in the run game. There's no question about that. 34-inch uh, arms, but I know some teams even view him as a better guard um, at the next level, which I think is debatable. So, but I, I do think that you know, you're trying him a tackle and uh, you know, a guy that might give you some versatility. Um, right, so we took him at, what, 75? So yeah, right around where I have him too. So I, I think it makes sense. There are going to be some tackles in that third round, fourth round, that at least could be developmental. I like Redunds, too. Uh, Broadus, I'm right there with you. He's my fifth offensive tackle, or excuse me, sixth offensive tackle on the board uh, behind Tevin Jenkins. But there's a, I mean, there's a massive gap between those two guys, and I think Redunds is one of those that could fall and be one of the developmental pieces. We've got Bucky Brooks as a part of the show now. Bucky, welcome in. Glad you're able to join us seven days before the NFL draft. Are you excited? I can see the smile on your face you, you have that nervous wave though I, well i'm excited until I, I look over and i see brian broadus who is in full draft mode because right now everything is negative nancy like he's shaking his <laughs> head he's not necessarily happy he wants to figure out a way because he doesn't feel like he has enough picks to get the thing done so that, that that's what i'm doing i'm over here looking at brian broadus because i am one that i would just trade away i think we can get it done with five picks we don't need all these picks that brian is over here hoarding well, I'll tell you what, you know what, if you wouldn't spend so much time on TV, you know, you'd figure out how to use all those picks. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need all those picks, all those, all those extra picks that you accumulate. You're just hoarding them all. Hey, I worked hard to get these picks, man. I, 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 I had to give up some players to get these extra picks. So, you know, hey, I'll do what I have to do. I love it. Hey, now, Brian, can I, can I ask Brian a question right yeah. uh, with his mock? Uh did J.C. Horn come into consideration at all for you at number 10? I, number 10, I, I yeah. It's interesting. You look at the betting odds of who's going to be the first defender drafted, and Sertan is the clear favorite. Quiddy pays right behind him, and then Horn is an interesting one. Could, could you conceive, you know, is it possible that the Cowboys would uh, prefer Horn over Sertan? Do you think that's a possibility for this team? Yeah, you know, and I do, and I, I went, I went the safe route is what I did because of the tenth pick. Me personally, I'd love for them to pick Horn. I, I wish I had the guts to just pick Horn for them. I think there is a there is a genuine relationship between Dan Quinn and Will Muschamp, and I think they're going to know everything in the book about J.C. Horn and what he brings. And everybody will tell you though, well, he holds, he does this, he does that. I'll tell you what, though. I have him above Sertan. I just kind of feel like that the Cowboys, when you when and knowing those guys, for that particular pick, they're going to try and get the steadiest player. They they might not try and hit the home. The home run would be if Pitts was there. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be the home run for them. Take Pitts, move on. We've got like Bucky was saying, you've got all these other picks. You'll figure out what defensive players. Me personally, I would have taken Horn if it was me. But I think for them, in trying to pick what they were going to do, I felt like that they were going to go the, the safer, the sure route with that particular pick. 
Question, Brad. So what is the thing with you? Like, what is it about J.C. Horn that you like more than Patrick Sertan? You know, I, I think it's the, to me, Bucky, I've always liked really edgy players. And I think there's some edginess to this guy. I think Sertan is, uh, to me, you know, when you watch him play, everything is, it, it seems like everything is in control. You know, the pedal, the turn, the play. I mean, everything is concerned. With Horn, there's a little bit of chaos, but football <laughs> football is not always a perfect game. Yeah. And sometimes you have to have players that have chaos in their life and chaos the way they play. And I think that's where I think that's where Horn steps it up for me. I you know, when when he's covering and I and, and on my top fifty one or top one hundred or top three hundred, whatever you want to say, Pitts is my second best player on that board and I'm watching Horn cover Pitts and Pitts is looking at him like get off me you know that kind of thing like he's he's like get away from me you know and that when I was watching that I'm thinking this kid gets it this kid gets it and I and again I, I I want that guy I want that type of player but I just think that the Cowboys will probably take the safer path than taking a guy that Again, that likes chaos. Uh, I think it's interesting that you talk about like the chaos or whatever. I will say I agree with you about the edginess. I do believe his superpower, one of the best traits, his competitiveness and his physicality. And in the right environment, it absolutely could be a tone setter for the. The boys want to get down like that on defense. Like, I know Dan Quinn back in the Legion of Boom days when you have Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and all those guys, it's a collection of edgy guys. And so it does he want to be a zookeeper again where he's having to rein those guys in, or do they want the steady Eddie players? I think that is what is unknown because I, I really don't have a sense for what Mike McCarthy wants the culture of the team to be. And I think that's a great point because I think there's a debate right now going on between the scouting department and the coaching staff across the hall from where we are. I think the scouting department is looking at Patrick Dertan, Brian, and saying exactly what you just did and saying that he's in control. He's fundamentally sound. He's a good player overall. You're gonna, you're, you're, you know what you're getting out of Patrick Dertan. But then you've got this coaching staff that wants some dogs, that wants some of that mentality. They want that extra edginess to finally put themselves over the top. Because you could say the same thing about Sertan that you did about Diggs, right? Where it's fundamentally sound. There's a lot to grow on. He's going to get burned from time to time. But ultimately, he's a good player. He's got a high floor. Whereas J.C. Horn is a different beast and it's a different player just like that and I don't know if you necessarily agree with that sentiment but I feel like that's probably the debate that's going on across the hall from here Brian you know there's there's Brian. yeah there's certain there's certain there's certain scouts over there that they're like me. They're like, give me this guy that's super competitive and all that, you know. And and I think you have to wonder a little bit about Sertan. Is he going? Is he what he is? As we watch him and evaluate him, which is a really is a good player, but is he at that level where he's going to be? Is he going to get better? You know, or is you know we're seeing the finished product at Alabama that's playing in national championship games and playoff games and winning SEC titles. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think with Horn, there's a little bit of that intrigue that, like, 
man, you could go get you a guy that could be one of the top guys for a while just because of the the edginess and the and that kind of that demeanor that he has that you know he gets mad when you catch the ball on him i mean he you could tell he gets mad him give me that guy i, I kind of like that but I, again i think the cowboys are going another way yeah well and the other thing too is and i mentioned this before but the south carolina coaches just they rave about since the day he showed up as a true freshman how he was part of the culture not even part of it he was leading the culture change there um, and not he's not as brash as his dad. He's not going to pull a cell phone out of his sock, but he is not afraid to speak up. He is not afraid to be the loudest voice in the room when he needs to be. He's not going to go out of his way. It's not you know it's not forced. Um, you know, but he is not afraid to speak up and be a part of being the difference. And I think that's that's something that's going to factor in when you talk about these corners as well. Uh, if if Farley was if Farley wasn't dealing with the back issue. Broadus, how would you rank those three? Like, how would you have those three in order? Horn, Sertan, and mm. and what I've what I've gathered a little bit, guys. If I could help you here, is people believe that Farley can rehab his back. They are worried about longevity questions there. But I'll say this: I was on a staff that didn't draft Larry Allen because they failed. We failed him on a rotator on a shoulder problem. <laughs> I was on it. I was on. I drafted, and, and again, I, I don't mean I, but we at Philadelphia, we we drafted Jeremiah Trotter. I had a doctor tell me, I don't know if he's going to play ten games or ten years. I think he played thirteen years, is what wow. he did. So again, wow. I'm not. I'm not saying scouts should put Dr. Period in front of their name, but somebody in the organization. Uh, I'll give you another example. Sean Rogers was a player at the University of Texas. Was a defensive tackle second-round pick by the Detroit Lions. I'll never forget Jerry Jones in that meeting going to Jim Maurer, the trainer, goes, tell me why I can't draft this guy again. Please tell me why I can't draft this guy again. So these doctors, these trainers, they're giving you their best view on these guys. You know, we'll see. Maybe this kid doesn't have another problem, or maybe he's got a chronic back issue, though. That's the sad thing that's going on right now that we're trying to figure out as we go forward here. All right, we've got about five minutes to hit this next mock draft. Who wants to go next? Bucky, Dane, who who has their seven-round Cowboys mock ready to roll? I mean, I can talk about it either way. It go for it, Bucky. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, so <clears throat> being a big school snob that I am. Uh, <laughs> being, Just like Will yeah, McClure. It's yeah, true. Uh, you won't see many. You won't hear many directional schools or anything like that. No far out things or whatever. Like so, <laughs> I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking at ten, we can go Patrick Sertan with Alabama. Uh, I've seen a lot of baseball games. One when you just hit singles and doubles, you don't always have to hit it out the park to win games. Uh, at 44, I'm going with Carlos Boogie Basham because I think he's going to be sitting there like a blinking light. Love it. I like his athleticism, his urgency and versatility. I think he has a chance to be a really, really good player. 75. I'm going to get us a playmaker at the second level. How about Chaz Surratt from North Carolina? Not talked about enough. He is someone, because I go back and I think about the, the Cowboys taking Bruce Carter. Look, Chaz Surratt has more athleticism, is a more dynamic player than Bruce Carter was at that time. It's funny, in the third round at 99, you guys talked about the guy that I have circled that I think would be a great fit, and that's Deonta Smith from East Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking inside 
trying to prepare for the future when you have Connor Williams who could depart after next year, that could be a fit. Um, I'm thinking in the fourth round, and it's funny because this guy had some buzz when we were coming out of the senior bowl, but he's kind of falling down the ranks a little bit. If James Hudson is somewhere there for whatever reason, I think you have to take an offensive tackle. His athleticism as a one-year player coming out of Michigan, to me, intrigues me. So I'm all about him uh, at the fourth round if he's available. Uh, I think this is going to make Brian Broaddus spit up in his mouth when I say this, but I'm okay with it. Uh, In the fourth round, Sean Wade. Sean Wade (laughs) intrigues me not only as a nickel corner, but potentially as a safety. And when I think about what Dan Quinn was able to do with DeMonte Kazee, Coming out of San Diego State, a guy who had like 17 or 18 interceptions, he ended up putting him as a center field player. Maybe Sean Wade is is a pick, is a flyer at that point. In the fifth round, if I don't like Sean Wade as that transition guy, I double up because Andre Sisco coming off the ACL is there. When you think about guys who get their hands on the ball, they always get their hands on the balls in the pros. Um, Man, 13 interceptions in 24 career games, that's remarkable production. I'm going that. Sixth round, I'm thinking Cade Johnson, uh, wide receiver. Just in case we don't know what we're going to get with Michael Gallup after this year, maybe Cade Johnson can slip in. And I forgot to talk about moving up and down, but I gave away some of those picks that you worry about in the seventh round because I want to make sure that I got those guys on my list. So that's what I got for you, Broadus. You can have at it because I know you would have added like eight or nine more seventh-round picks because you covered those at the bottom. I do. I, Thank you, Bucky, for mentioning it. You know what? I'll, <laughs> I'll say this, Bucky. I, I honestly don't have a problem with what you just did. And, and, I, and I like your explanation of Wade. Mm-hmm. I really do. This is a league where you've got to put guys on the field that can cover. Some of his most productive days were played in the slot. You just got to find a way to reach the kid right there. And I like what you said about the transition from corner to safety we saw with Kazee out of San Diego State back in the day. And I'll tell you what, man, this was a guy that I know if you follow Dane Brugler like we all do, Dane initially had a guy like Wade as one of the top corners. And then things happen along the way. But I like what you did uh, uh, with that. I, I, I... the 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 Chirac pick at, at three though, that one that was the one that bothered me a little bit, mm. you know, because I I don't know if I'm working on a conversion right there, you know, a former quarterback, you know, athlete, I get it and all that stuff, but I, I if I'm if I'm going to do something like that, I'm probably going to do it in the fourth or fifth round. I'm probably not going to do it in the third like you did, but I don't have a problem other than that with what you did. The only reason, the only reason I think Surratt would be more valued in the Cowboys' draft room than others is because when you look at DQ and the guys that he took, like Deion Jones, was a guy that I don't know if people necessarily thought would be that that runaround second level playmaker or whatever. Um, there's other guys. I think they took Duke Riley at the Falcons two for a minute, trying to find that that undersized guy that is kind of like that hybrid nickel player. I think for Surratt. Um, and, and, and knowing those within the program, talking about the transition or whatever, like this is a dude who in high school was a, like a, a three-sport star. Like he and his brother could do anything they wanted to do. And so you talk about 
making the unique move from quarterback to linebacker, one, speaks to your mentality because most quarterbacks don't say, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to go where it's the noisiest, and that's where I want to go play. And I just think in a defense where he could be covered up a little bit with bodies up front and they're looking for a guy that can run and chase, athletically he could get on the field. And as they're currently constructed, I could see his ability to, to move around and cover could make Jalen Smith get off the field on those obvious passing downs, like looking for a true nickel linebacker. I mean, I know you hate directional schools and stuff, but you should have looked at the kid <laughs> Malone from Western Kentucky. That's the type of guy. That's a freakish, relentless athlete. Do they play, I, I would, do they play on Saturdays or Fridays? Because I, I, I only watch college football on Saturdays. I just remember that Walter Payton went to school, I believe, at Jackson State. Jerry Rice at Mississippi Valley, I think, is where he went. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying okay. to think. I'm trying to think of some more Hall of Fame type guys that went to schools that Bucky that you didn't want to go. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't want to go to. I'm just telling so, you what Ron Wolf would have told me. That, look, Ron, Ron told me. Hey, there's go, no question. Go, go hey. shark, shark. Go shop at the, at, the, at, the, at the big at the big appliance store. Don't go around to the mom and pop store. What Ron Wolf would tell you, and you know this more, better than most, if you're from one of these places, you better walk on water. That's what Ron <laughs> would say. You better be a guy that walks on water if you're just, from one of those small I just had places. visions of Tadpole running in my. In okay, my how bed. about how about Cameron McGrone? How about McGrone from Michigan then? How about? Okay. Dane, right. am I wrong okay. about McGrone, the linebacker from Michigan? Yes. As long as, yes. As long as the knee's okay. Speed yeah. is the name of his game. He's quick. He, he re, his reactive quickness is outstanding. As long as the knee checks out, yeah, I think that you're getting good value. Uh, I don't know about the third, but fourth, fifth, yeah, that's uh, actually what I have in my mock uh, going to the Cowboys. Wow. There you go. Wow. Hey, Brian read Dane's mind. How about that? I love this conversation, except for whenever Bucky was taking shots at the Conference USA. That's the school. That, I mean, that's my conference. That's the conference I, I got I went to school a, with. I it's cool. Take, I, didn't, I didn't take a shot at Conference USA. You took a shot at I Western just, Kentucky. That's Conference USA, saying asked, if they're playing on Fridays. Hey, hey, Bucky. Because their college games on Friday nights. I, I happen to. <laughs> He, you could have taken. You could have taken one of those North Carolina. You could have taken one of those North Carolina running backs and get your North Carolina guy in. You know, don't don't feel bad. It's okay. Didn't have I to force it with Daz a linebacker. I, I passed. I passed on Daz Newsom. I didn't take Daz oh, Newsom late. Gosh. They could double up. Uh, I, I can make fun of what you just said so much, but the only ESPN game that I've called for like a football game was a Conference USA game, and guess what? It was on a Friday night, so I guess I can't really say a whole lot. Uh, let's go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we're going to hit some Twitter on the 20 questions. We'll get to Dane's 10, or I guess 10 picks, seven round mock, Nate Newton walking by the studio at the moment, but we're going to take our first break. When we come back, Twitter on the 20 here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Ah, uh, music to my ears and my 
mouths. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com draft show. So glad you're with us. We've got Brian Broaddus, Dame Brugler, Bucky Brooks. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And, well, gentlemen, it's time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. Chris Beam, as always, doing fantastic work in the back. And, well, I, I do want to give a quick shout-out for all of the fans that uh, put Twitter t- questions up on Tuesday. We did an entire show full of Twitter on the 20 questions, and it was a lot of fun. Got to a ton of them. But I, I want to ask this question because I feel like we've we've gone back and forth on this and, and, and why this, is, this has kind of been one of those debates that have been raging amongst Cowboys Nation. But... Cowboys underscore Braves on Twitter. That's the Twitter handle. So I guess they're a big Atlanta and Dallas fan at the same time. Why do you think Micah Parsons would be a bad pick at pick number 10? What are his knocks? He seems like a complete linebacker. We've talked about a lot of of, of Micah Parsons, but Bucky, why would he not be the ideal pick at pick number 10? Or why could he be? Oh, I actually think he would be the ideal pick. Um, I think if you're looking at second level shop record, I think he can do that. Um, I know I, I'm a little impacted by my interactions with him as a high schooler and, and going up and continue to talk to him or whatever. But I will say this about him as a player. Unique combination of strength, power, and explosiveness. Probably the best blitzer that I've seen in some times in terms of his ability to get from point A to point B in a hurry. And he's completely disruptive. Now, I think if your locker room has enough maturity around it where he doesn't necessarily have to step into the leadership role, I think he will thrive in that environment. But if you're tasked, if you're asking him to be the leader to point on the sword, I don't know if he's ready for that, even though his game suggests he could be an all-star player. Yeah, I think Bucky's absolutely right. And the more old crusties like Bucky that I talk to around the league, people are starting to feel more comfortable with the player. And what's happening is the player is starting to admit as a young man that he had some maturity issues. And Bucky's right about we could all watch the tape and see what he brings as a player. The questions were going to be about the maturity and then, okay, what happened with the hazing thing? You know, those were the things. 
but it appears that scouts are far more comfortable with the player now. I know that we talked about him initially as a guy in the top 10, and then he fell out of all that. But yeah, we're starting to starting to see him in that mode. I think Bucky's absolutely right. If they don't take a cornerback at 10 and they're taking a defensive player, this kid could be could very well be the pick because they're feeling more comfortable with him. I don't think that I, I don't agree with anybody that said it'd be a bad pick. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to call it a risky pick. Uh, I think that's fair when you factor in everything, you know, the backgrounds of the decision making because. You know, Michael Parsons could be your you know typical 20, 21 year old who you know just like I'm sure all of us made some immature decisions in the past, but grew out of it and became responsible adults. He could absolutely take that path, or could be so, like uh, some other guys who are immature in their youth and never really grow out of that. You know, there's just there's no crystal ball here, and I think some teams will be more comfortable with him than others. I think you look at the Lions at seven, and that's, that, that's where I think you start to consider Michael Parsons as a possibility. Um, but, you know, there's too much talent there. You know, like you guys are saying, there's there, the talent-wise, I don't understand, you know, why. He's a top ten talent in this class. I, I think, you know, I, I'm very confused by mm-hmm. a lot of people who are not on board with just the, the talent, the football player. Uh, I get the off-field concerns, the risk, but on the field, there's a lot going for him. You guys said it better than I could have even put it, but it's not a bad pick. It's just not the pick that we want or not the pick that we're excited about. And I've had this conversation on other shows that I've been on as well about I really like Michael Parsons. He's still my top linebacker on my board. I like him as a player. There's just concerns and question marks around him, specifically either on the field and off the field, that have me concerned going into the draft, whereas other guys like a J.C. Horn, Patrick Tertan, those question marks just aren't as high. And and that's basically what I think about Micah Parsons. Okay, this question really intrigued me, and this comes from Clay Slocum on Twitter. And he says, as scouts, how much time do you spend reviewing past draft notes? So other draft notes from other drafts do you have do you ever find patterns that you may be getting right or wrong in your analysis of those past notes brian yeah the thing you have to know if, if you work for the dallas cowboys is you have a general manager that's not a traditional general manager when it comes to going out and evaluating players like you could play a game on Sunday, on Monday a lot of uh, general managers review the tape, on, on Tuesday they're on the road scouting. So what you have to do is you have to be able to explain to a guy like Jerry Jones who he's looking at. When you compare another player, somebody maybe was two, three, four years ago that, that, that he understands that he's playing in the league. So you find yourself a lot of time working for the Dallas Cowboys coming up with guys that you previously saw in order to help him along. I review draft notes all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm so interested in what I thought of a particular player. And so, yeah, it's something that that's the only way you get better because you want to be able to say, oh, this player reminds me of this guy that I saw. Well, it's the most important trait for an evaluator. It's the ability to be a self-evaluator. You have to understand uh, what you missed on, what you got right. I think that helps you uh, grow as as a scout to understand. Okay, uh, I missed this about because you're going to miss. That, that's part of. It's almost like you know you're a, a hitter in baseball. 
you're going to you know get outs. If you get on base four out of ten times, you're doing a heck of a job. And so with an evaluator, it's not quite the same, but you know, you're going to miss on some of these players, and it's important to understand why did we miss? Is it something I missed on tape? Is it maybe I was valuing a trait more so than I should have? And so each position is a puzzle, and as the game evolves, so does your scouting. And so the ability to be a self-evaluator is critical for every single scout out there to understand their strengths and weaknesses uh, as they scout this game. You know, I love what both of you guys mentioned. I think, Brian, you bring up something that I think is maybe misused sometimes on our part, and that's the comparisons. I think people, fans get annoyed by comparisons, players get annoyed. But what we're trying to do is paint a picture um, for the coach, for the general manager. This is who this player could be. This is who he reminds me of. This is maybe a starting point or an ending point in terms of where he could evolve and, and get to. And Dane, your point about being able to self-assess, be self-critical, and then continue to expand your horizon as an evaluator. The game is constantly changing. If you could have told me 10 years ago that a Lamar Jackson would be an MVP level quarterback or that Josh Allen could go from his struggles at Wyoming to being a high-end quarterback, I never would have believed you because we had never seen anybody do those things at the position that Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen have done and have success. And so now as an evaluator, you have to be able to evolve as you're evaluating the position. And I think the great evaluators are always able to admit, hey, I didn't used to think about it this way, but now I have to think about it in a different way because I'm seeing guys have success in the league, and so I can either stay back here in the 90s or I can move up to the 2020s and say that the game is different and the athletes playing the game successfully are also different, and I need to grade accordingly. Yeah, Bucky's absolutely right about that. Like, you know, 20 years ago when you know, we sat in draft rooms, you would have never believed that a guy like Kyler Murray was going to go first overall. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't going to happen. You know, I mean, that there were so many things that were against certain types of players, whether it's uh, the measurables, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, you have to be able to evolve as the game and as, as the processes have evolved as well. Uh, kind of sticking along the lines of the linebacker talk that we had and then what Bucky just said a moment ago about how different prospects are kind of the that's all the rage right now in the 2020s. Zaven Collins, and this is a question from Cowboys Coffee Talk. Dane mentioned Cowboys' interest in the past. Is there any indication if they see him as a Sam linebacker or maybe purely as an edge? He asked this question because he has reserves about the 20, or excuse me, 270 pound linebacker himself. Dane, Cowboys' interest there, but where would they put him? Well, and that's the question. What's the fit? And really, really interesting. Albert Breer uh, tweeted yesterday that uh, when Zayvon Collins went for his medicals in Indianapolis, weighed in at 270 pounds. That is fascinating. He was 259 at his pro day. 270 pounds is, I mean, well, and where my thought process goes is, okay, which team told him you're, you would be an mm -hmm. edge rusher for us? You would be a defensive end for us? Because why else are you putting on 11 pounds? Uh, you know, you, you hope it's not neglect or, you know, he's just uh, putting the, you know, the foot off the pedal in terms of his working, work, working out. But my assumption would be there's a team that said, you know, we really like you as an edge rusher. We really like you as a guy that's going to be going downhill, getting after the quarterback, 
and maybe if you add a little bit of weight, you can be a better banger uh, in terms of uh, stopping the run, setting a hard edge. So that's it's a really interesting fit. I don't know that he's a fit at 270 for this team, for the Cowboys, uh, in, in this uh, defense, the way it's constructed. But for a team out there, whether you know the Patriots, the Cardinals, one of those teams Bang. in the mid first that's round. Who it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another team uh, the Crusties are all talking about is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're talking about, you know, with them losing Bud Dupree and stuff like that, that maybe the Steelers got involved with this one too. Everybody has the Steelers taking kind of a running back maybe, but this might be one of those ones that I know for a fact with the Cowboys, you cannot take a player like this at 10. You, you, you can't. There's no way. You can, they are not going to take a Sam linebacker at 10. I'm sorry. That's just not going to happen. But there are other teams out there that everybody does believe that, okay, hey, here's some three, four teams. Again, a lot of scouts talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Keep an eye on that team. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because for the for the Cowboys and the way that we anticipate them playing at a Dan Quinn, Xavier Collins doesn't really have a position because he's kind of like that big, thick linebacker where in the draft room we would appreciate him. We would say, hey, he's talented, but he's really not a great fit for us because where would we put him at? And I just don't know, but I think it's interesting you talk about a guy showing up at 270 pounds. That screams to me, Patriots, Steelers, heavy-handed, type team, somewhere where he can go out there and he can kind of be the slug that beats on the tight end and maybe comes off the edge and does some of that stuff. So this next question is is really intriguing to me. It's not necessarily anything to learn about, but it's fun to, to think of because you guys have done this for quite some time. What was your favorite draft moment? This question just comes from Red. Straight up, what is your favorite draft moment? He said while covering the Cowboys. I don't necessarily want to limit either one of you three to that question because there's been plenty of drafts where you haven't covered the Cowboys. But, Bucky, we'll start with you. What's your favorite draft moment as we're a week out from the next one? Uh, I will go back to when I was working with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it might have been my first or second year, but we took Steve Hutchinson at guard. And at the time, Walter Jones was already in place. And just watching how you can take a dominant guard and pair with a dominant offensive tackle, and the entire league can know that you're running that way, and no one can stop it. And so there's something to, like when you see what we call go jacket level players, giving them their just due and just taking them, even though positional value and all that other stuff creeps in, I think sometimes we have to remember, man, grade the talent, and if you can add a collection of talented players, you can win. You just can't go wrong taking the best player available. So we're taking Kyle Pitts. That is now confirmed from Bucky Brooks that Kyle Pitts will be a Dallas Cowboy. Brian, favorite draft moment? Yeah, old Krusty's got a lot of them, but I, my favorite one was 2005 when the scouts actually won against Bill Parcells, and it was over when, <laughs> it's when, uh, when he, he wanted nothing to do with DeMarcus Ware, and the scouts were fighting him. Uh, he wanted Sean Merriman, and it, I mean, it, it came down to literally a morning of the draft when the decision was made. We were we were before the meeting, before the draft started, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, and I'll tell you this, Rick Goslin from the Dallas Morning News, mm -hmm. who we all know, 
Rick Gosden was the reason why the Dallas Cowboys drafted DeMarcus Ware because the night before the draft, he was able to get a hold of Jerry Jones. He had this network of scouts and general managers that he talked to, and he had all the information, yeah. and he convinced Jerry, he's like, Ware will be a better player long-term than Merriman. And, but after that first year, we were all like, Oh my gosh, what has Merriman done? That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So but then if you look at overall how it all turned out though, but yeah, that that was that was probably my favorite moment of a draft when it was it came down to the morning of the draft and then the decision was made of who we were gonna take at the eleventh pick and it, it worked out great for the Dallas Cowboys. Gosh, this is a great one. Yeah. All right, Dane. Uh, for for me, you know, I, I just goes go. I think about just starting doing this, doing this draft stuff, and I go back to 2004. How much, how fun that draft was when you're talking about the quarterbacks and the intrigue about Eli Manning, Philip Rivers. Uh, a lot of teams loved Ben Roethlisberger in that draft. Uh, you know the. Uh, you know the the, the Giants were, were looking at him possibly uh, if they weren't able to make that trade uh, to get Eli Manning, uh, who the Chargers took at number one, they were ready to take Roethlisberger at number four. That was the same draft with Kellen Winslow and Sean Taylor. I mean, that was really one of my first drafts where I was into this mm. and you know scouting these players and getting involved. And just the the intrigue of that top ten was was so much fun and something that'll stick with me for a long time. Can I, can I ask a question, Kyle? Yeah. I want to ask Brian. I, I, want, I want to ask. So, Brian, like thinking about that draft, because that draft is fascinating to me because we yeah. had those quarterbacks or whatever. So there's sure. this narrative out there about quarterbacks being pushed up. I never heard that thing in draft rooms or whatever. But I do wonder, Brian, is that a, is that a valid premise that, A, if it's a quarterback, he deserves more credit? Or back in the day during that time with Eli, Ben, and Rivers, did those guys actually merit those grades to be drafted over Sean Taylor and those guys? Yeah, that's the problem with the evaluation with the quarterbacks. And I'll tell you what, though, at Green Bay, we did something that was criminal to a quarterback, and that was Steve McNair. And we, we put Steve McNair in the second round on, on oh, our board. On wow. our board. And, oh, yeah. and I think he went third overall. And, yeah. And, yeah. and when I remember, I remember going to the board because I was the guy responsible. Elliot Wolf, uh, yeah. who now works for the Patriots, Elliot was 10 years old and he helped me with the tags and stuff. And I'll never forget when the Houston Oilers made that pick and I had to go get his tag. I mean, like the third pick. And I had to get his tag out of the second round and put it on that board on the, the Houston Oilers side of the board. And I'm thinking, Man, did we just really mess this up? And sure enough, we did. But but we're from a system, and Bucky, you're part of that system too, where you say, "Hey, this is where we see the player: it quarterback, tight end, tackle, whoever." I mean, there was no there was no okay, push him up because he's a quarterback and do this and that. I mean, we we were trying to be fair about it. Were we right all the time? Absolutely not. But I know I came from a system that tried to measure all the players at the same level. It's interesting hearing about Steve McNair being a second-round grade and then going third overall. Is that not a little bit reminiscent yep. of what Mac Jones is going through right now, if that ends up being the pick at well, number three? <laughs> let me tell you this. 
let me tell you this. I had somebody tell me this yesterday about about Mac Jones, and I, but I don't believe that Mac Jones is going to be the third I don't overall either. pick. Me personally, I don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But I will say this though: Daniel Jones was picked sixth overall mm-hmm. by the Giants, and someone told me that, and that was a that was the punch in the face right there. That was like, listen, you don't like Mac Jones. Well, somebody took Daniel Jones at, at sixth overall. Think about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's your possibility. All <laughs> it takes is somebody. We say this every year. All it takes is somebody to fall in love. And, you know, if you like Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins was, what, a fourth-round pick? But if you like Kirk Cousins, you should like Mac Jones. And, you know, and Kirk Cousins has played a long time in this league. Mm-hmm. Is he the greatest player in the league, greatest quarterback league? No, he's not. But, like I say, all it takes is that one team to say, this is our guy. And that team at San Francisco, it's not John Lynch running that team. It's Kyle Shanahan running that team. John Lynch is the guy that has the title. It's Kyle Shanahan's the one running that team. He's going to take the players he wants to take, not the players that John Lynch wants to take. It's funny, Brian. Uh, I think the Mac Jones thing is is really important because um, I do believe our biggest mistakes come when we deviate away from really the purity of the process, right? Right. So we've all sat up here and talked about Kyle Pitts being arguably the best or second best player in the draft. And I think what happens is maybe even on our side, maybe even within the league, because I think they're more influenced by the media than they will always admit. Mm -hmm. I think this thing with the quarterbacks has really tainted the process when it comes to really grading players. Because if we really kept it as simple as, hey, if we're playing a game – out in the park, who would I want? Yeah. All of those quarterbacks wouldn't be in the conversation as mm-hmm. like top five in this draft class. Right. And so I think it just muddies the water. And then we make these mistakes trying to get it right on draft night as opposed to, hey, I want to be right in three years. That I said right. this guy can play and he's going to play at this level. That's why my grade is as high as it is. A combined 65 years of draft experience between this panel right here. That's why I wanted to ask that question, because Dane's been doing this for 16 years. Bucky, you've been doing it since 2001. Brian, of course, since 1992. I I think that's just a fun thing to think about going into next week, because it could end up being your favorite draft moment next year, or excuse me, next week, four years to come that we'll be talking about down the road. Let's take our second break. When we come back, we're going to get Dane's mock draft, and we're also going to hit his top 300 couple key points out of his top 300 that you can find on The Athletic when we return on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. 
Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Final couple minutes here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. As always, presented by Miller Lite and presented by DraftKings, the Dallas Cowboys Draft Pick Challenge. Go online, DallasCowboys.com backslash Draft Pick Challenge. Submit your picks by Thursday, April 29th at 6.59 p.m. Central Time to be eligible to win plenty of prizes. And, Dane, real quickly, hit your picks. We've got about four minutes here. Hit your picks and then tell us your favorite thing about your top 300. Oh, well, I'll get my top 300 out of the way. My favorite thing is I don't have to do it again. It's done. <laughs> get it out of the way. Uh, it's, it's tough doing those things for like a generic, you know, I don't have a specific team I'm scouting for, you know, a specific uh, uh, culture, that type of thing. So it's tough ranking those top 300, but hopefully people check it out because I put a lot into it. Uh, my seven-round mock for the Cowboys. So starting with Patrick Sertan, just like uh, you know the first two mocks, I, I think percentage chance of it happening, you have to. It, it's the highest. Um, I don't think that we should uh, eliminate J.C. Horn from that conversation. He's really intriguing as a, a dark horse candidate there. Uh, in the second round, I went Javon Holland out of Oregon. Uh, you know, we know that mm. this defensive coordinator went up to Oregon for that pro day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about uh, you know mm-hmm. this uh, the scheme and a guy that can play safety. He can play the nickel. Uh, you know, a guy who's a proven go and get the football guy. Javon Holland is really interesting for this this scheme and this team at number forty four. 75, um, I went with on the defensive line, and I went with Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech. I like it. Um, I, I think he's a play. You know, Tyron Crawford, uh, he could be your next Tyron Crawford, a guy that could play inside, could play outside. Uh, you know, he's 6'3", 285, really good athlete. You wish he was a little bit longer, but a guy that is just kind of scratching the surface of what he could be. Uh, if you get him a pick 75, I really like that value. Went with Deontay Smith, uh, just like Bucky there in the, four, in the late third. Uh, I think he's you're kind of in a lot of ways your ideal developmental tackle, uh, but can also play inside a guard. He did both at the Senior Bowl and, and played it at a high level. And round number four, pick 115, went Chauncey Golston. Um, I just I love uh, adding a player like that uh, to bolster my defensive line uh, in the fourth round. Uh, a guy who is instinctive, love the motor, love the hustle. Um, uh, in the fourth round with Cameron McGrone, that the second fourth round pick, that linebacker, as long as the knee checks out okay, 
uh, speed, instincts. He, he can outplay that draft spot. In the fifth, I went to, to Marion Terry out of Florida State, who can fly and he's long and he just he needs development time. He needs some more coaching, and if he is able to be coachable and get coached up, uh, he's going to be a steal at that point. Uh, John Bates, uh, you, you have to go with the Boise State player at some point, right, uh, for this team? <laughs> so go John Bates, a tight end in the sixth. Uh, William Sherman, the guard center, uh, played left tackle at Colorado, but uh, I think projects best as a guard center. And then uh, Nwangu, the running back at Iowa State, uh, who I think could maybe be a little more on offense than he did in college, but it's going to help you out on special teams as well. Any thoughts, Brian? Yeah, I, I tell you what, I liked what he did. I, I was kind of intrigued by the, and I know it's late in the draft, I was intrigued by the Colorado tackle. Mm. Uh, it, and I, I like what you're talking about, him playing, potentially playing uh, some guard as well. I, I the, the, the Cowboys... The, the Cowboys are are always in these. Uh, the Cowboys are always in that mode where they're going to take some type of developmental lineman. But this kid, you watch him play in the running game. I mean, he was a powerful guy, and I, I think yeah. there's some some really good upside there. I mean, when you watched him come off the ball, he gets in the guys, he finishes guys. You can work on his pass block and stuff. But man, I I kind of like that. I had him a little bit higher than than even where Dane took him. So uh, good for him to have him on that board. Bucky? I mean, I liked, I liked it overall. No, I liked it overall. And I think um, Dane obviously paying attention to the Cowboys draft habits because certain teams, certain general managers have sweet spots that they go to when it comes to players. So you can talk about Boise State being one, so being able to go there. And then really when we get down to that that day three the fourth through seventh rounds where we talk about the developmental prospects and trying to find one or two core traits that are necessary not only for them to get on the field to eventually become regular contributors but how can they impact special teams that's where your speed and your physicality and all those things kind of tend to weigh So, uh, sorry, we lost Bucky at the end there for a split second. But, yeah, I agree with the the mock draft. I really like the Milton Williams pick in that third round. Dane, I actually had him in my seven-round mock as well in that third-round category as that defensive tackle that could maybe play inside-outside, be that Tyrone Crawford replacement. I love that pick overall, and I know the Cowboys have had a little bit of interest there as well. I'll release my picks out on social media. We're going to put all four of these on the same sheet that the fans would fill out on the DraftKings Draft Pick Challenge, and we'll uh, we'll put that out on social media for everybody to see. But guys, I, I hate that we're constrained to an hour. How about next week? around how about thursday night we could do this for like a long time how how does that sound just like hours at a time on the draft show coverage because I, I i could talk about this stuff all night long and i i feel like we should do that maybe we should do it all next weekend i think that sounds like fun right dang sign me up <laughs> it does sound like a lot of fun yeah Brought us, you ready? Yeah, these. Yeah, uh, Dane is looking forward. Yeah. To, uh, yeah, Dane, Dane, and Dane is looking forward to me coming up with some really witty saying to start the draft, right, Dane? Mm-hmm. Like these are the times that try in. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Uh, uh, teaser for for Cowboys fans. I'm looking at flights right now to be down Woo-hoo! in Dallas, so let's make this happen. 
Let's go. All the Sounds good. All the powers that be are coming together, everybody. It's draft week almost here from the star in Frisco. And don't worry, Brian will have his witty saying to start off draft coverage to kick it all off. It's going to be fantastic. You can, of course, follow all these guys on social media. But we'll be back on Tuesday and Wednesday next week to lead you in to the full wall-to-wall coverage of the 2021 NFL Draft here on the Draft Show. But for Chris Beam, for Brian Broaddus, Dane Brugler, and the great Bucky Brooks, I'm Kyle Yeomans. We'll see you next week on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?